Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Duckett. I am one of the hosts and I am joined today by Alberto. Jim sadly is out doing work stuff, so he's not going to be joining us tonight. But we have a wonderful guest that we'll be introducing here in a few moments that we're excited for you to get to meet. Uh, we, uh, Before we get too deep into stuff, I wanted to real quickly do the call out. We are excited about what we're doing here. We're really excited about what is happening in um, the space surrounding uh, this podcast, around the Facebook group, and we want to make sure that we get the word out. To help with that, you can do a couple things. First of all, go to your favorite podcast app. Make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. Next, go uh, while you're there, go ahead and rate and leave a comment for us so that we can get the word out. The engine likes to have uh, the, the, the social engines and things like that. They really like a, uh, a podcast that has engagement in the comments and the ratings. And so if you'd help with that, that would be huge. Um, next, check out our website, which currently is just our Facebook group. It's theketomansclub.com, and that will take, us, take you to our Facebook group. If you're not a member already, join. We'd love to have you. Just a couple simple questions for you to answer to be able to get into it, uh, and we will get you in. Um, and we also have an Instagram. It's at Keto Man's Club Podcast. And so check that out. If you have any other comments or questions that you don't want to put in the comment section, feel free to email us at Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. So definitely some ways to get in contact with us. Please do. We'd love to, to uh, uh, to uh, get to know you better as you uh, listen to our podcast. So with all of that business out of the way, Alberto, how was your week so far? Uh, good, man. Crazy busy at work. Uh, let, let's not feel too bad for Jim. Uh, if I, I didn't read the exact details of where he was going, but it was something along the lines of like a, a barbecue competition. So yeah, yeah, I feel terrible that he's not here right now. Let oh, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of work I can get behind. Any 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 type of work that that has me um, dealing with and getting to eat barbecue is a good type of work. Um, and uh, so. What's been going on in the group this week? Uh, what, what's kind of your call-out post of the week? Actually, one that uh, just happened not very long ago at all, to be honest. You know, we, we had one of our members, who I'll just leave nameless for the time being, uh, reach out. and, and Kind of one of those things that you don't hear guys talk about very often, but he said that he's, he was struggling with a little bit of depression. And uh, I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but it's really nice to see uh, how many people jumped on the bandwagon there and were willing to, if nothing else, offer kind words and you know, a little bit of words of encouragement and you know, kind of help this guy hopefully you know, get through it a little bit better or at least know that if he, he has a window to, to express some feelings if he feels he needs to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I picked up on that thread myself. I was one of the first few commenters, actually, uh, just because I'm that I'm that connected to my socials and and you know addicted that I have to do that. So <laughs> I, um, I I commented pretty quickly that you know you came to the right place, and uh, we want guys in the man's club uh, Facebook group or you know the. It, it, in communication with the, you know, us, the hosts of this podcast, to feel free to, to come and share what's going on and be real. Um, for so many of us, um, whether it's machismo or uh, whether it's the, uh, the social pressure of, well, you're a man and men don't cry or whatever that might be, uh, you, you need to cry every now and again. You need to be able to have real emotions and be a real human being. Um, so please uh, be, feel free that, quote unquote, in the confines of the walls of the Facebook group or with us to reach out to uh, get help when you need it. If you're feeling depressed or suicidal, there's help for you. Um, and even if it's just a listening ear, uh, because I don't know of any trained psychologists or psychiatrists in the group, although there's probably quite a few um 
we're st- a listening ear goes a long way. And so feel free to share and, uh, what, you know, publicly or, you know, one-on-one and, and be vulnerable for lack of a better word, uh, and open with, uh, with those members of the group, because you're going to find out you're not alone. And that's the overwhelming thing that I'm seeing, um, across the group is that you're not alone. You'll get some ideas of ways and practical things that you might be able to do. Um, one, one of the things that, that this member mentioned that I'll call out is that one key factor for men that can sometimes cause depression is low testosterone. I being low T can say I never really majorly felt depressed uh, before I started treatment, but I will say that my life has been affected in a very positive way uh, after starting TRT. So if you think you might have signs of low testosterone, including uh, the potential that your low testosterone is affecting uh, your mental ability to stay positive, Feel free to, to or you know, ask me uh, if you want to uh, about what the regimen's like and things like that. I can give you some good information. I plan on having my doctor on the podcast at some time to talk about testosterone replacement and what it can do for us as men. Um, and then um, you know, and then there was other suggestions on different meds or the encouragement that yeah, go ahead, find a doc. You you need to talk to someone. You may need uh, some some medical help and the form of medicinals uh, that will help you to deal with it. So all of this, you know, great advice building into this, into the responses uh, that this member was getting. So, so very, very helpful and uh, beneficial in my personal opinion for one and all. Anything else to add to that? I don't think there's a whole lot else to add. I think you covered it pretty well. I comment on it as well. And then I'll repeat what I said there that, you know, as far as, I am just beyond a caveman when it comes to dealing with emotions. And, and so I, I had absolutely zero advice to offer someone in that position. But like I said on the post, man, if you need someone to talk to, hit me up. I can talk. You know, I can listen. And sometimes that's all you need. And, uh, you know, sometimes someone put a little funny comment on there. It'll make you laugh. And nothing wrong with that either. It's all helpful. It's all good stuff. The most important thing I saw is, like, there was nothing but encouragement on that post. It was mm-hmm. nothing negative, nothing you know, nothing that it, it was all love for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. It was yep. great. It kind of gives me faith in humanity, which I typically have very little. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump in and introduce our guests and kind of get into today's uh, discussion and, and interview because, uh, you know, Dave, David's a really great guy. We've got uh, David Blaco. He, he definitely helped us with the pronunciation on that because it's not spelled the way it sounds. Uh, so uh, David is one of our the members of the group. And uh, Dave, uh, where are you from and uh, who are you? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, well, where am I from and who am I? Uh, I'm from California, born and raised here. Family's been here for about 150 or so years. Uh, immigrated west from Illinois in covered wagons back in the 1800s. So it's kind of some cool family history out here in the California area. San Francisco Bay Area to be exact. Um, and who am I? I'm a professional guy that's just kind of found his way along a career path that has led me into working at high-tech companies for about 31 years now. Um, and a longtime struggler of obesity. And uh, I think that's why we find, find me here talking to you guys on the ketogenic podcast is uh, keto was kind of a big key role in, in handling some of uh, those issues. So um, tell us some information about how you grew up and uh, why you quote unquote ended up obese. Like what, what was the, what were the contributing factors from hindsight? Right on. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time looking at this and thinking about this and reflecting back on past, on society, on a few things and have a lot of thoughts around that. I was pretty much, I was a child of, I'm the youngest of eight, um, single income family. So my mother, you know, cooked at home and prepared food and, you know, kind of your Susie spotless housekeeper, right? So things like sweets were baked once a week, um, that kind of stuff. But through a turn of events, I lost my parents at a fairly young age, leaving the oldest. Um, well, let me back up a second there. My dad, born in 1914, was definitely one of those guys where um, he went to work, he won the bread, he came home, and the woman took care of the house and took care of the kids. So when my mother, when my mother uh, departed this planet, 
it was up to my oldest sister to take over as the head of household uh, from that female role. And so things kind of changed, you know, everybody came together and, and one of my older sisters became the cook because she was the one that spent the time in the kitchen with mom. But, uh, you know, through turn of events, I found myself being raised um, at 13 by a 23 year old. And I think there was a big shift in society at that time as well on how we fed ourselves, right? Like when my mom was alive, she'd bake like fresh baked cinnamon rolls and she'd put them out by the by the glass door to raise in the sun and she'd raise them twice and bake them and that kind of stuff. Man, phenomenal items, just the best taste, but limited in a family of eight and a woman baking from scratch, you got one right? And here we are in the 70s and we're moving to Taco yeah. Bell and McDonald's and fast food. And we're moving to, you know, Pillsbury dough is now in the refrigerator aisle at the grocery store and that kind of stuff's going on in society. And I think that's, you know, in hindsight, I think that's what drove the obesity, right? I'm, I'm now being raised by a 23 year old. And it's like, I had a friend tell me one time, dude, I love coming to your house and staying the night because there's Taco Bell runs at midnight. <laughs> You know, so some bad habits and stuff being generated here as well, right, at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, you know, the obes obesity came from. When I look at pictures of my family from the 60s, from the early 70s, everybody was lean. Uh, everybody was very active. And as the pictures progressed, regardless of activity, everybody was getting heavy, heavier. And and I really look at it as a shift in society in the way that we started having prepared foods, boxed foods, not cooking from scratch, and eating a lot of processed crap. Unfortunately, it took me like 30 something years to figure that out. Sure. That's pretty, pretty stereotypical from what I've seen, but it, that doesn't make it any less impactful. The, the processed food, regardless if it's labeled healthy, is likely not healthy. Um, and so that home cooking, even whenever it's the, 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 the fresh made from scratch cinnamon rolls that you were talking about. That brings me back to my mom's cinnamon rolls. She makes some amazing cinnamon rolls growing up and she would always make them from scratch from using my great grandmother's, uh, my great grandmother's recipe for them. Um, and my, my grandma would make uh, peanut butter, but again, from scratch, it wasn't from a box. And, you, you didn't see, my grandmother was never overweight. My great grandmother was a stick figure, even, you know, into her nineties. Uh, so obviously it wasn't just the sugar. Um, uh, it wasn't just the sweets. So, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about that revelation moment where, what was it that, that got you to that point where maybe it, it was even pre keto where you got to the point where you said, I have to do something. There's something metabolically deranged or something unhealthy about the way that I'm living right now that I need to change. What was that? It's interesting. You mentioned metabolically deranged because eventually I did end up there. But as I mentioned, it was like a 30 year journey. So coming to, you know, we'll back up a ways and I'll try to skip through all this history pretty quickly. Don't want to bore everybody with it, but coming out of high school, I was a pretty heavy guy. So I just focused on, you know, trying to eat healthier. I ate a lot of salads. I reduced um, the amount I was eating. I started working out with friends of mine, hitting the weights, commuting to work on a bicycle, uh, playing bat pickup games of basketball in the park. And I was really using exercise as a way to cope with, um, with getting myself lean. And, you know, it wasn't just 100% exercise. As I mentioned, I was focusing on diet and I was, you know, all these salads and all the stuff that you were seeing that we needed to eat. We needed to eat a specific way in this healthy and, and you know, nibble like a freaking rabbit. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It worked. I, I, you know, got somewhere about 180 pounds in my early 20s. And I met my wife. Um, I don't think that had a lot of bearing on what I was doing. I was still exercising. I was hitting the exercise bike and hitting weights. And like I said, commuting on a bicycle to work at a physical labor job. Um, and then my career started taking off and I found myself no longer in the physical labor job, but in an office role and weight started kind of packing on. And I looked at it from a perspective of, well, I'm not exercising as much. I'm not doing physical labor for work. I'm not doing all this stuff. And it was still a, you need to exercise in order to maintain your weight as well as eat salads and really bland, crappy food that I didn't enjoy. Chicken, too much chicken. Uh, <laughs> still eat a lot of chicken, but uh, I do enjoy chicken. Um, but, you know, it, it, I found myself over the course of those years as I was going through my career and, and advancing and whatnot, I started growing, right? I was not only probably growing taller because I was still a young man, but I was growing probably just about as wide as I was tall. 
I found myself in about 1998, 1999, somewhere around there, maxed out, maxed out for me at about 280 pounds at five foot 10. Hmm. And the, the moment that was really the catalyst that made me move at that point, uh, it's quite embarrassing, really. It was a day at the theme park, um, amusement park with my family. I went to go ride a roller coaster. I got on there and I started pulling the little lap bar that comes down over your shoulders because this roller coaster has got twists and turns. It's going to go upside down, right? So it's got that a thing that comes down over your shoulders to restrain you. And they couldn't get the green light to go on. The ride attendant came over. He's, you know, standing on the damn thing, trying to smash it down over my big ass gut. And it's just not closing. And I had to do this walk of shame off the roller coaster in front of hundreds and hundreds of people standing in line. Yeah. And the whole rest of the day, the only thing echoing in my head was, you know, these people in line talking about the fat bastard that couldn't even get on the roller coaster. I've been there. And that was, I've done that. That was a major catalyst. Um, as I say, you know, that's what I talk about 30 years. That was like 1998, man. That was, that was some time ago. And, uh, so I started, you know, looking at what can I do? And I, I started eating, trying to eat less, trying to eat solids, trying to get active in the gym again and, and whatnot. And it helped. By about 2002, I was down to 206. Still pretty big for a five foot ten guy. And let me just tell you, that 206 wasn't pure muscle. It wasn't like I was mm-hmm. going to go out on the bodybuilding circuit and perform some shows. But, it, you know, I did pretty well. Then for me, there was this link between healthy eating and exercise. And some life events came up and they stopped me from going to the gym. And I returned back to kind of my old eating ways. And boom, up went the scale again, hit somewhere probably in the, you know, north of 260, somewhere in the 270 range or so. Not quite that 280 that kept me from getting on the amusement park ride, but I was back up there again. And at that point I dug in, it was like, okay, it's time to do something again. It's been a while. What can we do? And I started kind of on my own and I lost some weight. And then I looked into Weight Watchers and Weight Watchers, it did pretty well for me. It helped me lose 50 pounds. Um, better than me, (laughs) (laughs) but it was a really strict regimen, right? Like weigh everything, understand the points for every freaking piece of food you consumed and and this and that. So I followed Weight Watchers. I tried zone. I tried Atkins and I saw myself, you know, 260, 212, back up to 260, back down around 200. And just four years ago in 2015, I was there again, 267 pounds. And I've got to do something about this. Um, it was at that point, I really started reflecting back across all my successes and looking for any sort of common theme. And additionally, I reached out to a friend of mine. She had successfully lost over a hundred pounds and had maintained it for five years. And I reached out to her on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, what was, you know, how did you do this? What was this key to success? And she pointed me to a ketogenic Facebook group. I started researching keto. So that was about May of 2015. Now I'd already returned to the gym. I was working out. I was using a personal trainer. Um, from 2015, March of 2015 is when I walked in the gym. In April of 2015, I'd lost 18 pounds. I went from 267 to 249. Right now, that's hauling my butt in the gym five days a week. And by the way, this is a corporate gym, so people that I work with are in there looking at me, watching me work out. And I'm doing CrossFit type stuff, you know, run 400 meters, drop and do 20 pushups, jump back on the treadmill, 400 meters, jump off 200, put 20 pushups, jump back on that treadmill, 400 meters, um, you know, pyramid style training, pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups in a circuit, wall balls, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I had people approaching me now, I'm still 249 pounds or so. I have people approaching me telling me I'm freaking psychotic and crazy in the workouts I'm doing unbelievable, right? I'm out running five miles a day, a couple days a week. So I was fit, but at five foot 10 and 249 pounds, I was still fat. When I started researching the ketogenic diet and I looked back at my successes on Weight Watchers and anything else, I found the common thread and that was carbohydrates did not react well to my body. When I was successful and lost that 50 pounds on Weight Watchers, it's because I ate hamburgers and I dropped the bread. It was because I cut myself down to just two slices of pizza and a, and a salad. It's mm-hmm. because I left the, the bread off my sandwiches. And the why did I start, start leaving the bread? Because I looked at my food choices and I said, I can eat this hamburger, a patty <laughs> with a bun on it, or I can have two patties and no bun. Because the four points that Weight Watchers said my bun was worth, that was the same a number of points my patty was worth. And for me, I'd rather eat the, the other slice of meat. 
That that's good math to me. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's just logical. <laughs> so I mean, it's safe to say that uh, you've experienced the yo-yo dieting at, to to its fullest form and extent. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at it, man, from you know 1998 to 2019, where we are now, I'd seen uh you know 280 pounds half a dozen times. I'd seen 200 pounds half a dozen times. Um, and and you when weigh I what when now? I weigh, well, it depends on the day. Um, I had a DEXA scan done on Monday. I weighed 200. But, you know, I think we're learning here through this new philosophies and stuff. And as we share on the on the Facebook group and everything, the scale is only one measure of our success. And it's really just how much gravity is pulling down on our body, right? Um, so we can get into a little more around that. But, yeah, right now, uh, this morning I woke up, I was probably about 191 on my home scale. Right on. I mean, my point being is, you said at your heaviest you were two eighty. Is that just right? You just said that. Yes, sir. Yeah. So well, I mean, maybe I mean, I, that that's damn near a hundred pounds ago. Like you know, when I talk about yo-yo dieting, ninety pound swing uh, j- just by trying different things and you know being able to to stick to a diet and then falling off a diet and just the amount of weight that can go up and down in someone. I don't think, and I I hate to use the word appreciated, but it's not appreciated enough when you find something that works and that works well, that you can stick with like how much you, that, that could just help a person thrive as a human being, you know, like you, like, as you were saying, 90 pounds, man, that's, that's, that's insane. It is. And I've always been an active person, right? I've always been an active person. I've always been into outdoor things, hiking and ski, snow skiing and even water skiing, whatever, you know, I'm willing to try new stuff and, and do stuff. And, and that extra weight was, you know, it was a little bit limiting in some of that stuff. Look at the roller coaster story, right? I couldn't even ride the damn roller coaster, something that I enjoy doing. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Um, so yeah. And, and I think we'll get into it a little deeper, but there was an epiphany here in the last few years that really made this easy versus those previous tries at keeping my weight in check. Um, and, and, you know, right now we're talking purely about weight, but this last change for me wasn't 100% about weight. You know, I, was, I, I do my annual checkups. I work for a nice high-tech company. I've got good benefits. Do my annual checkups. And um, I had high triglycerides. I was pre-diabetic, high cholesterol. Uh, pre-hypertensive, right? You know, walking heart attack uh, statistic. And, you know, I can thankfully say we can we can delve into this a little deeper if we want, but I, I can thankfully say that since I've gone keto, all of that's gone, man. No more pre-hypertension, yeah. no more high cholesterol, no more pre-diabetic. Triglycerides are in the freaking basement. They're not in the attic. <laughs> Forget the attic. My, my triglycerides were in the damn penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Since we're on the the topic of weight, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back a few weeks here. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, you you had what I'm gonna call a carb experiment, where I was a you know what like a little two or three day binge session, which resulted in a somewhere around a 20 pound swing in your weight. Yeah, you know it's an interesting thing. Other than like a cauliflower crust pizza, I I still stayed within the keto sphere, if you will. I. Uh, I noshed on a bunch of cashews, which are high carb. So those of you that are thinking nuts are great, um, yeah, choose wisely, my friends, because some of those nuts have a lot of carbohydrates in them. And as Alberto well, they mentioned, taste great. <laughs> they, t- they taste great. But, you know, as a, as a food addict, um, handful after handful go into the mouth because they taste great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I on Friday morning, I weighed in at 190. On Sunday night, I weighed in at 207, 17 pounds of weight on the scale in a 48-hour period, right? Maybe a little more than 48 because it was morning to nighttime, but, you know, two days at a 17-pound swing. I found it fascinating about that whole chain and the whole thread within that post is like some of the, some of the other members were like, oh, well, I don't want to say they were calling you out, but they were almost, almost calling you out on it. Like, like that's impossible. All I could think of was like, well, that's a pretty interesting thing to choose to lie about. <laughs> if that's what you're going to decide to lie about, I mean, you're going to go with that. Sure. I suppose. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we talked about how supportive the group is. The group's very, very supportive, but this particular thread, there were a couple of people that that's how they made me feel. Uh, for sure. One guy definitely made me feel like, you know, he was calling me out as a liar. And I'm like, you know, I'm not telling you, hey, I solved this problem by drinking a bunch of ketone products. 
right? So it's not like I'm trying to sell something. Why, why would I lie about this, man? I got on the scale on freaking Friday morning at 190. I got on the scale on Sunday night at 207. Why do I need to make this crap up, right? Am I that narcissistic? Well, I, I guess I could be. <laughs> but uh, but no. I'd say the, the best response to that was, was your daily weigh-ins as the weight was coming off three to four or five pounds at a time. Right. Well, you know, that was kind of the goal. When I saw the weight on Sunday and I saw that I put that 17 pounds on two days, I'm like, you know what? I need to share this because I've been ketogenic now. What's today? The 24th. I'm two days shy of three years. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. April 26th, uh, 2015, 2016. April 26th, 2016, I started the ketogenic diet. Uh, so, you know, and, and over those three years, I've spent every day in a Facebook group, on a website, somewhere, looking, reading, answering, talking, keto, and weight, and health. For those three years, freaking 24 seven at some point for some fraction of the day, um, not 24 seven, but 20, you know, three, 365 days for some fraction of the day I've spent in the keto sphere looking at this stuff. Um, and so I knew when I was up 17 pounds in two days, I knew it, it wasn't fat. I didn't gain 20. I didn't gain 17 pounds of fat in two days. That was impossible. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a great thing to share with everybody and show them that the scale needs to be taken with, you know, not with a full grain of salt, but it's only one measure of success. Uh, because, you know, here I am 17 pounds up, but I guarantee you it was water, inflammation, bloat. Oh, and let's not forget just food in my freaking stomach and intestines, right? <laughs> That weighs too. And so, absolutely, yeah. So I decided, you know, let me chronicle this. Let me, you know, give my morning weight, my nighttime weight. And, you know, what I think I said on that, on that post by Friday, it'll all be gone. And so each day I logged my nighttime weight. I logged my morning weight. I was losing three and a half pounds during my sleep. Almost, Holy cow. almost exactly nightly, three and a half pounds. I mean, there were a few days where a little more, a little less, but uh, there were a few days where my, my weigh-ins were like 0.9 at night, 0.4 in the morning. And it was exactly three and a half pounds. <laughs> and sure enough, by Friday morning, I was back down to 191. Uh, so Friday to Friday, I'd gone from 190 point something to 191 point something. I'd, on Monday, on that Sunday night, I was 207. So I'd gone up 17 and I'd come back down 16 pounds in a seven-day period. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good recovery there. I would, I would say that you uh, did a pretty good job of getting right back to where you started before the little binge section. So there's hope, there's hope for us is the other, the other message on this is that uh, if we, and this is a thread that we see almost every single day on the Facebook group is, uh, you know, oh gosh, I carved out this weekend or, oh, last night I just couldn't help myself. I dug into a, a pizza from Pizza Hut or whatever. The truth is, okay, yeah, that happened. Yes, you want to avoid it because technically that sugar, that carb is bad for you. You know it. That's why you're here. That's why you're ketogenic. But don't beat yourself up over it. Move on, get back on the plan, and chances are, is just like you experience, it's mainly water weight, it's mainly basic inflammation that happened because of a reaction to the carbs that you took in, it will go away as long as you get back on the plan, get back on the horse, and do it. And uh, so that's really, uh, that's really great that you saw that. Um, Alberto? Yeah, so as far as I can go back, and, and this is one of those weird things that I just pay attention to when I, when I joined the group, I was somewhere in the low 300s uh, of this group that's in the 2200s now. And I, and I should say it's a very selective 2200s. Uh, Jim does not just let anyone in. If, if You probably have, wouldn't know. There's no way you would know this. But yeah, he doesn't just let anyone in. Like He takes those questions seriously. He does a little bit of research on the people that, that, uh, that try to get in the group. And, and it, could, it could be a much higher number than that, but that's not what he wants. And, and it, not only is it his group, but I, I don't think there's anything really wrong with that. But uh, back to my, what I was getting to is you've got to be one of the original members and you've been in there as long as I can remember. Yeah. You know, I don't know what number I am, but I've, I've been in the group uh, for quite some time, pretty close to its inception. Absolutely. And I do love the fact that Jim runs the group, as you mentioned, that you have to have um, some understanding of keto, right? It is a support group, but we're definitely not here to teach you about getting into keto. Go out and figure out what's happening with keto, kind of get your head wrapped around it. 
Um, and then come join the group and let's thrive in what it is that you've learned and, and come share what you've learned and we'll share with you what we've learned and we'll support each other in the journey. Um, but it, you definitely have to have some sort of ketogenic background. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, and I, like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it actually wasn't too long ago, uh, he had sent me a message. Uh, there was a, someone who had tried to join and hit, hit the macros. I, I don't know. Well, for me, they were out of whack. For you, they were probably what you would consider normal macros. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, he just asked. He's like, "What do you think about this?" You know, it was the fat. Or the fat was very was pretty low. Protein was up there. Carbs were very very low. And I just my answer, which my answer now was, I go, "That's not wrong per se. It's still a ketogenic macro." That's how I answered it. Now, had he asked me that question a couple of years ago, I probably would have went off the handle and you know, with this whole fat rant. But uh, you know, we live, we grow, we learn. Which which uh, which makes it interesting because like you and I get along great and, and it, it seems to be a little interesting because like, you you mentioned the wrong comment in the wrong group and how they approach keto and and sometimes things get really really ugly really 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 fast and I know you've tried both ways uh, with the high fat method and then and then the higher protein method and I know which way. I think I know which way is working better for you, but I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like for you to, to kind of go a little deeper into that and, and what, what you found for yourself, because this is all one big giant experiment is what I keep telling people, it, it, you're finding success with. You're absolutely right, Alberto. It, it is a huge experiment. And sure enough, when, when I, I told you, I reached out to a friend and she told me ketogenic, uh, I looked at it. And it made sense. I started learning about insulin resistance and some of this other stuff that was going on. And I'm like, hey, this research I'm reading, it speaks to me. Every time I've had success, Weight Watchers, everything else, I had dropped the carbs. And carbohydrates turn to sugar in your body. And my triglycerides are out of whack. And these people are telling me I must be freaking a sugar, a sugar addict. And, and I'm looking at myself going, sure, you know, I enjoy ice cream. I eat some candy, but it's not that crazy. Come on, what's going on here, right? And, and Chris, you kind of asked me where did I come from? So I, I reflecting, that was part of that reflection. Where did I come from? And, and seeing that in Weight Watchers, I dropped the carbs and it made sense for me. And the big switch in my head was I can't eat that. Um, and so I, I started following the first ketogenic group that I found, which was the whole uh, – 65 to 75% of your macros could, you know, should come from fat and 15 to 25% of your macros should come from protein and 5% come from carbohydrates. That's where I actually lost all my weight, right? I went from 249 to 190 pounds in five months. I dropped 55 pounds. Now, mind you, let's go back in my story a little earlier. I had already been in the gym for a year, working out five days a week, total beast mode with people telling me I'm insane and only dropped 18 pounds in 365 days, in 12 months. Now I switch to this, hey, I can eat fat, but I don't eat bread or pasta or rice. And I melted, man. Five months, I dropped 55 pounds. I've never seen success in weight loss like that in my life. Um, but at the same time, my, my gym afforded me the opportunity to use DEXA scans and to start getting like body analytics and looking at, you know, what is my muscle to fat ratio and how much lean muscle mass am I carrying? How much fat mass am I carrying? And uh, my first, I've had 10 DEXA scans now since May of 2015 through this last one I had just last Monday. And that first one in May of 2016, I was 265 pounds, 160 pounds of lean muscle because I'd been in the gym. <laughs> Not to mention I was carrying around 265 pounds, man. That's a workout itself. And uh, I had 36% body fat. I hit the ketogenic diet, dropped 55 pounds in five months. And I had a DEXA scan and almost 50% of what I had lost had showed up as lean muscle mass loss. As a guy that's hit the gym five days a week doing strength training, that was crushing. Just crushed my soul, man, right? Like 25 pounds of lean muscle, even though I was in the gym. Uh, and so I, I started doing some research, you know, why am I losing lean muscle? Like this ketogenic diets, fat, you know, it's muscle sparing, blah, blah, blah. And I, I found some ketogenic groups that had a slightly different philosophy and their philosophy was ketog ketogenic portion of the diet is purely driven by carbohydrate, keeping those carbs down super low, keeping them at 20 grams, 25 net, maybe if you're only eating, you know, certain vegetables, uh, but keeping them, keeping them really low. And that's what drives the body to produce the ketones. And they had this philosophy that if you wanted to really deal with muscle mass and whatnot, you should eat a higher protein ratio. 
And I started following that method. And Alberto, that's, I think, what you were talking about, right? Where we have a slightly difference of opinion. And I love the fact in the Facebook group that that doesn't matter. Everybody's kind of like... It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you want to follow a, a higher protein. It, it, it's all about being in, in ketosis and, you know, N equals one experiment. What works for you? What's reach, helping you reach your goals? Absolutely. Um, that's the thing that, that I'm finding for myself. And I know that we've, that I've seen in all of the Facebook groups that I've actually stuck around, um, at least that are active ones because the other ones kind of get lost in my feed and I just don't care that they're there. Uh, but the, 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 the common thread is the basic idea is that ketosis is a state. It's not something that you have to, uh, have to achieve um it's also the the other thing that that i'm hearing more and more of that i'm glad to hear is that uh all of us throughout the day go through stages of ketosis and not ketosis that's why some of us depending on our body clock depending on our biological makeup are going to go in and out of uh, phases of trackable ketosis, at least. Uh, my blood ketones at 8 a.m. may vary wildly from those at 5 p.m. Um, and that's all just a matter of this is how much is my blood. How much am I using? There's no real way for me to show that. There's no test at home to be able to do that. Um, and so chasing the ketones doesn't actually help that much. It's eat the way that you know that you need to eat keep as close to what you know works for you. And and for me, I'm kind of probably on the higher protein side of that. I eat, I, I push my wife all the time. She gets so ticked at me sometimes because all I want to eat is meat. Um, she's one of those gals that she eats her own, you know, uh, she eats a, enough protein herself, but at the same time, she uh, tries not to, uh, she, she is a, 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 one of those likes to, to eat the vegetables as well. And so those are always prepped along with the meat. And she always gets mad at me whenever all I eat is the meat. Um, that said, uh, let's talk about your workouts now. You've, you've alluded to that, that there at that point where you were, you know, I think you said 240 range. Uh, people commented, you're, you're working out like a madman. You're going to die. Uh, what are your work like, workouts like now? Are they the same, just you do them better, or have you found a different type of routine? No, I think it's, it's changed a bit, right? Like I said, I was working with a personal trainer, and, and interestingly enough, um, if you're going to work with a trainer, make sure they're going to work with you on the things that you want to work with, right? I was, oh man, four years ago. So I was in my upper 40s. <laughs> I, I knew a little bit about myself, right? We talked about my history. I'd gone through this evolution. I kind of knew what I liked and what I didn't like. And plodding along on the treadmill was something I did not like. Um, I liked strength training. I liked lifting. And it's interesting. I've you know, we didn't get into really what my business background is, but I, I'm a business solutions analyst, right? So I, I analyze work processes and I try to figure out how to make them better. Uh, so it's in my DNA to like analyze stuff. And I looked at myself and I'm going like, I, I really, I really prefer lifting. Why? And I think it's a little bit of an ADHD and, and OCD or ADHD type thing, right? Where, um, mm -hmm. you know, you pound out 10 reps and you get to take a break and then you pound out another 10 reps and you get it or whatever the set is, right? You do a few sets and then you change exercises where like, you know, running is, let me just go plod along, do the same damn thing for an hour. <laughs> It's never changing. And so lifting really just spoke to me in my soul. And um, so I strength train now five days a week. Um, heavy's relative. So I lift stuff that I consider mm -hmm. heavy for me, right? I take myself to failure. I take myself to fatigue. Sure. And I've stopped doing any cardio or anything like that. I purely strength train. Okay. Heavy is relative, man. I love that. And yeah, uh, that's a really great point. Ju judging, uh, judging by your videos, uh, and, and uh, it seems that your shoulder is playing along. As someone who's given me uh, plenty of helpful advice on shoulder injuries, uh, walk <laughs> us through that uh, that little process, if you will, in, uh, in your recovery and what exactly happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, clearly, it hasn't slowed you down. Like what always sticks out in my mind is you bench pressing with two dumbbells with a, I think, a fifty pound differential between the one in one hand and the other. Yeah, and, and you're rep repping it out like a champ. And, like <laughs> could not even begin to wrap my head around how I could make that possible with two good shoulders, <laughs> let alone the way you were doing it, knowing you're recovering from a shoulder. Injury. Right on. So yeah, a few years ago, um, I was working in my gym and 
I was doing my workout, right? Whatever I had built for myself. And and one of the guys that worked in the gym comes over. He's like, hey, what are you doing today? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing bench. So, well, what are you lifting? And I'm like, 180. And he's all, what's your what's your program? I'm like, it's going to be three sets of 10. And he goes, yeah, hold, what have you done? I'm like, one set of 10. He's all, hold on, hold on. Just just sit down and rest. And he throws some plates on the, on the bar. And he's like, you know, give me three. And so I laid back down under the bar and I pushed out three. And he's all, now sit there and rest. And he throws some plates on the bar. He's all, give me three more. And then he looks at me. He's all, sit there and rest. I like, get up. I got up, started pacing around. He goes, no, 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 sit down and freaking rest. And he threw some plates on the bar and we kept going through this exercise. And next thing I know, I'm pushing 250 pounds on the bench. Now, this was when I weighed 249. So there's a lot of body leverage happening in there as well. But like I said, I was, I was fat, but I was fit, right? Like I was, I was running five miles a couple times a week and here I am pushing it. You know, I, I had just done 10 at 180. Then he had me do like 205 and 215 and 225 and 235 and 245. And then I pushed 250 and we tried for 260 and I, I, I didn't make it. I was pretty tired at that point. So no surprise. Um, I think had I not done all that volume, I probably could have pushed 260. And that changed, that changed my mentality. I started training a little heavier. I started, I started pressing 225 on a regular basis, like almost in a five by five type thing. I was doing, I was doing like three sets of about, uh, I was doing three sets of five on 225, like once a week. Um, and one week I was feeling overambitious. I had, I had benched on Monday. I had done my three sets of 225 or three sets of five at 225. And Wednesday I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Everything feels good. And so I'm on my last set. I asked a trainer to come over and give me a spot. I, I thought I had all five in me, but I just wanted them there in case because 225 is a lot of weight to be dropping on your chest. And um, yes, and I started pushing up like my last rep and about halfway up, it started coming back down towards my chest. And the trainer's guy, you got this, you got this, push it, push it. And I remember three words or like three or four words came out of my mouth. I'd have to count them, I guess, exactly. But I looked at him and I'm like pushing on it. And I'm like, no, shoulder, bad, take. <laughs> and uh, you reverted to a toddler. That, absolutely. I mean, here I am holding 225 pounds above me, trying to cr- not crush myself and, and yet convey to him, I don't have this. You need to take it. And um, that was like November it was November, I think of about 2016 or so. And, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I I thought I just strained my shoulder. And so I kept working out. I kept training. You know, I reduced what I was training on. I didn't push 225. I kind of took it back a notch. And in May of 2017, 2018, we're in 2019 now, May of 2018, uh, as a way to conference in Las Vegas, I went to my hotel gym, still crushing my workouts, right? Doesn't matter. I'm traveling, still getting the workouts Mm -hmm. in consistency dedication, a um, couple of key points to making it all happen. And uh, I was, I just like my, my workout routine I was in called for like uh, the previous week I had done three sets of five at 190. And today's workout was supposed to be three sets of three at 205. And I'm like, you know, 190 to 205, that shouldn't be a problem, especially if I'm, if I'm dropping two freaking reps off of every set, shouldn't be a problem. And I start pushing up and the bar just collapses on my chest, man. The guy, another, another gym goer had to come out and help pull me out from underneath the bar. Um, I'm rolling it down to my waist and, and I stand up and, and there's no picking up, there's no picking up the barbell, right? I've got one good arm. The other one's just dead at my side. Uh, you know, fast forward a few months, find out I've got a severely torn supraspinatus and infraspinatus and I require shoulder, shoulder surgery. So August, 2016, I went under the knife, uh, had a really good physician that took care of me. And, um, so I've been on recovery from that, but what I learned by researching every day, looking at all these health sites and health Facebook groups that are into keto and like weight training and athleticism, I learned about a process called unilateral training that results in collateral, um, changes in your body. Let me, let me put that in some layman's terms. Training the right side while the right side while the left side is not being trained reduces the atrophy, reduces the loss in your muscle on the left side. And so as soon as my physician released me, I was back in the gym. I have pictures of me in the gym with a sling on because of shoulder surgery, and I'm still doing right side body exercises, single, single dumbbell bench press, one arm. Um, 
And so, you know, over time, working physical therapist and everything, I started working with the left arm. And that's what Alberto alludes to. I think that day was a, a max day for me. It was a strength day. So it was three sets of three. I had a 90, 90 pound dumbbell in one hand, and I think about a 20 or 25 pound in the other hand, <laughs> laying on the bench. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those are some crazy offsets, but you make it work and you're doing what you need to, to make yourself better and work through the injury that you have. I've been watching Alberto. He, he and I have been working out now for uh, quite a few, quite a few times uh, in our, you know, just now and again, but now we work out uh, four times a week and it, it's, it's really great to see this guy that I know his shoulder is still recuperating. It's still rebuilding, but he's still busting his tail in the gym. And, uh, he, you know, he just puts me to shame almost every single, uh, every single workout because I'm just not, I haven't done as much as him. And so one day I'll be like him and you know, it's all good. Uh, but well, you, I'm just not there yet. You know, Chris, you said, uh, you said an important thing there, right? Right. You're, you haven't worked out as much as him. And that takes me back to that comment I made. Mm-hmm. Heavy is relative. Do not compare Absolutely. Do not compare yourself Absolutely. to anybody else. You're on your mm-hmm. journey. It's an N equals one exper- experiment. Absolutely. We did the hex, uh, hex bar, uh, like, uh, basically like, uh, squats, uh, yeah, the hex bar deadlifts. the other day. Yeah. Hex bar deadlifts. And while that's a m- much better thing for me, I got, I think I got to two Oh five and like, oh, nope, no more. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's all I could do. Uh, yeah, well, hey, went up, you know, above that. Your first comment was that was easy, but my hands aren't used to holding this much weight. True, true. Yes, I was uh, it, because when you, when you put me on a, a on a, a leg press uh, for for with a sled, I can totally do that all day long up to like five hundred pounds. So my leg strength is there. It's being able to support that much with my hands, and I don't have straps yet, so I couldn't make up for it. So yeah, you're right. I probably could have done more had I had uh, assistance with my grip. Um, so David, you, you alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, you're an active guy, you like to do a lot of different things, but for a while during those peaks where you were at your heaviest weight that you were, you were limited in what you were able to do, um, like the, like the roller coaster that we, we, in this case have both been through, um, what has it been like in the last three years now that you've been ketogenic, now that you've got control over your life again and and whatnot what are the hobbies that you've taken up or things that you thought for a while you may not be able to do again that you've been able to do what what are those things that you do for fun uh well in the winter time i i you know i live in the bay area california so snow's just a few hours away um so i do i do a bunch of snow skiing i've got a i've got a couple of kids um i have a 16 year old son that that's into uh Found out he's into like roller hockey and skateboarding and whatnot. And so I took him up the snow and he started getting into snowboarding. Um, I tried that out with him because I figured if he had to learn it, it was a good chance for me to learn it. And snowboarding was a freaking blast. But in my mm-hmm. late 40s, uh, two seasons in a row, I left the snow. <laughs> I left the hill with a, some sort of injury. Um <laughs> And it was like, yeah, okay, let me go back to snow skiing, which I had done since I was a teenager. So I, I do snow skiing in, in the winter. Sure. I take my, my son and I probably go about five to 10 days a year now. Um, I've taken up dirt bike riding. I've always been a motorcycle enthusiast uh, ever since I got my first bike. Well, ever since I rode my first mini bike at about age six, I've been a motorcycle enthusiast. Um, I've ridden since I was a, a young adult, so about 18 years old. Um, and I picked up dirt biking last spring. Found myself at a point that, you know, again, my teenage son, hey, I want to ride. Let's do dirt biking. And found myself in a, in a point in my life that I could swing the the uh, the cash to make that happen. And so we took mm-hmm. up dirt biking. Um, you know, other than that, it's, it's mostly household chores. I, I, I've got property. I like to go out hunting and shooting. Um, I like to go out hiking and, uh, and, you know, that kind of outdoor activities. I like to camp. I love, I just love being outside. Sure. I, uh, I am probably the polar opposite from you in that regard. Um, I've always been the guy that likes to be inside. Uh, that doesn't always equate to me being gamer mode because in, anymore, I don't have time for that. Um, but it, it, I, I, I have never really been fully at ease outside, but I'm, 
it sounds like for you, you're finding out some new things, but you're also getting back into some old things that you really love and that you love now. And you're getting to, to you have the freedom to try them. And that's what's important. Uh, it, 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 and that's, that's what it's all about. Um, let's go ahead and start winding down a little bit because we're kind of actually going a little bit long and I don't, I, I want to honor your time as best as I can. Uh, so let's do a couple more things. First of all, uh, David, what are your favorite resources to refer to whenever you're either sharing ketogenic advice or for yourself doing ketogenic research? Where are your go-to places, resources, books, websites, groups? Well, you know, that's changed over time uh, as as my ketogenic path has changed. Alberto mentioned, you know, I, I did the kind of high fat and then I've moved to more of the lower fat where I'm modulating fat based on on goals. Um, and that seems to be what my body my body needs. So um, one site, one Facebook group that I hang out in a bit and I actually paid and, and bought services from them was um, uh, Keto Gains. Uh, so ketogains.com and the Facebook group Keto Gains. Uh, I can honestly say I, I bought a couple of boot camps from them and I learned a, a whole lot about exercise and um, exercise physiology and weightlifting from them uh, in those boot camps. Um, beyond that, as far as like Facebook groups and stuff, the Keto Man's Club. And, and I would say I'm probably more active there than anywhere else anymore. I love the diversity of the group and the fact that everybody's kind of on different paths and, and sharing. And, and it's not just purely about the ketogenic diet, right? Like, like you guys mentioned today, the mm-hmm. whole depression point and things like that. We can share other stuff that's going on with us as a dude um, that, we're, that we're dealing with that isn't just about the ketogenic diet. So those are my two primary sources. Um, Finney and Volick. Uh, res- you know, great resources to look into as far as their research in uh, performance of the ketogenic athlete. Um, uh, what else? Um, other than that, from like an exercise physiology perspective, I really love uh, Jeff Jeff Cavalier and Athlete X, his channel on YouTube. Uh, that, that's where I pointed Alberto when he was dealing with his shoulder stuff. Jeff's a physical physical therapist mm-hmm. and breaks it down really well and, and gives a lot of great information on how to how to take care of your body. Uh, to keep it ready, especially if you're a weightlifter, to keep it ready to lift. I, I, I'm forget weightlifter. If you're if you're athletic and you want to be outside and be active, he he really has a lot of great information on how to take care of your body and keep it in tune to do that. Yeah, I'm totally addicted to that YouTube channel now. Like I'm like I'm never gonna do this exercise, but one day I might, so I better learn how to warm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, th- I think those are my key, those are yeah. my key resources. Uh, at this point, I've kind of settled in. It's, it's really working for me. Um, and, and I'm not straying, straying too far from that. Very cool. Um, so the, the, the last real question that I'll have for you, um, is where can people, uh, actually, let me actually rephrase it. One more question for you is, uh, People ask all the time, uh, what does keto look like for you food-wise? Uh, they, they ask me all the time, uh, what, what do you eat? So rather than give the generic that I always have a hard time answering, I'm just going to ask you, what did you eat what today? What did I eat today? So far today, so right now it is 7.21 p.m. Pacific time where I'm located. I've only had one meal today. Um, besides coffee, you're going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm fasting. I'm going to wither away. Um, besides coffee with, uh, and taking care of my electrolytes. So, you know, oh, we haven't spoken about that. So electrolytes, I, I watch my magnesium, my potassium and my sodium very closely. So I've had 400 milligrams of magnesium this morning. Um, I, I don't know the actual milligrams of my sodium. I, I've, I've just figured out how many milligrams are right based on my salt measurements. I've already had 10 grams of salt today uh, between coffee and water. I've had five grams of creatine and um, I've had one and a half grams of new salt, which is a potassium supplement. It's uh, it's really not salt, it's potassium, mm-hmm. potassium chloride. Um, and then for lunch, I ate ham and soft boiled eggs. So pure protein, I mean, protein with some fats, right? Those eggs had those yolks in them. They've got fat in them. The ham's got some fat in them, but my fat purely came from my food. Mm -hmm. So my food choices, not from cooking. Um, and I haven't Mm -hmm. had any carbs yet today. 
Do you plan on eating yeah, anything so I'll, else? I'll, I'll have dinner. I'm starting to get a little hungry. Um, so I'll have some dinner tonight. Okay. Um, exactly what that'll be, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. Uh, I love Alber- Alberto's term, which is, you know, fridge raid. This is my fridge raid meal. Um, <laughs> tonight's probably going to be a fridge raid, raid meal. Now, when I say fridge raid, it's not always 100% leftovers. I do meal prep on Sundays. So last Sunday, I, I put a four pound uh, pork butt in my crock pot. Um, so I've got pulled pork in the fridge. Uh, my Easter ham's all gone. The the rest, the, the last of that went at lunch today. Um, I have eggs in the fridge. I've got some egg whites in the fridge, and I've got some cauliflower, riced cauliflower in the in the freezer, and some other veggies, spinach, mushrooms, and stuff that are in the fridge. So I'll probably pull something together tonight that's comprised of either like sautéed spinach and mushrooms with some of that pulled pork. Or maybe even the rice cauliflower with the spinach, mushrooms, and some onion, and some of that pulled pork in it. It's probably what I'll put together for dinner tonight. Okay, very good. So let's actually take that around the circle real quickly. Um, I'll share what I had today because I can actually remember that right now. I ended up fasting for about 20 to 21 hours inadvertently. I was only aiming for 16. Um, I had some coffee with um, some uh, mushroom adaptogens in it that I got from Wild uh, from Wild Foods when I was there. Um, and then I had a... Uh, a cortado with half and half in it because they didn't have heavy cream. Um, and so that's like all I had, you know, during that fasting window, uh, which is technically not a fast, but you call it fast, fat, a fat fast if you want to. It was so small, it wasn't the weight enough to count. Uh, and then, um, then my, my first real meal of the day was a four by four protein style from uh, in and out and a, uh, an iced tea. And then I had a big honking piece of uh, ribs that my wife smoked uh, when I got home after running around. So that's what I had. Alberto, what, what have you eaten today? Uh, today was a little, a busy, it was a busy day. So a little, a little off schedule and I, dinner was completely out of my character, but I'm, I'm working on a new me here. So we're, so I'm just, I'm just running with it. But uh, breakfast was, uh, literally, uh, just a coffee with two eggs blended in it. Uh, no fats added to it, turning over a new leaf. Just, I'm not force feeding myself the fat as much fun as it is. It is to brag about it, how much fat I can shove down my throat and stay lean. Uh, I'm just playing with new things, learning, growing. So it was just a black coffee with two eggs, a little bit of turmeric and a little bit of cayenne pepper. That's pretty much how I take my coffee every day. I like it. It makes me happy. So I go with it. Uh, lunch, uh, went to a barbecue joint. I'm training a new painter, a new body shop. So took about some lunch, had about a half pound of brisket and a half pound of pork ribs. Pork ribs you really can't count as a half pound, some of it's bone, but so it was pretty much a protein lunch. And for dinner, and brace yourself, for dinner I had salmon and chicken. Oh, no. I swear <laughs> it happened. I swear it happened. And this I'm not gonna lie, that's probably the first time I've had salmon definitely this year, but probably in six to eight months. <laughs> Okay, so that's a pretty good look at what it, a day in the life of, of eating has looked for for, for us three. And uh, hopefully that helps someone out there uh, to, to know that keto looks different for everybody as far as the food that they eat and, uh, and whatnot. Now, I don't track, uh, typically. I do spot check tracking every now and again. Uh, Alberto, you don't track either, I'm pretty sure, right? Uh, I should. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David, are you a tracker or do you just kind of go with your gut um, quite literally? Yes. <laughs> so uh, I go through, I go through <laughs> waves. Um, I'm trying to achieve like this next level of body composition, right? Um, that's why I get the DEXA scans and that kind of stuff. And I've been trying to get to the point that, you know, I, I just turned 51 and I'm probably in the best shape I've ever been in my life. Um, and I'm trying to get to that point that, uh, well, you know, I feel as comfortable going without a shirt as Alberto does. Um, nice. <laughs> and <laughs> hashtag free the keto. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so what I found is um, when I when I did some boot camp and I did some strict tracking and I really managed all my macros down to the point that I weighed all my food raw and I prepared meal by meal by meal. I I did make it from a DEXA camp DEXA scan perspective. I had an average body fat of eleven point five percent. Um, I was still like wow. 16 in my torso. So last place, all the fat's coming off of my body. Um, and since I've stopped, stopped tracking and I was 186 pounds, I'm 190 roughly now, or according to the DEXA scan, I was 200. 
and I, I went from 11.5 to 16, uh, just over 16, 16 point something percent body fat on my, on my last one. So I picked up a lot of lean mass. Um, so right now I have not been tracking. I've not been tracking for months and I'm hanging out somewhere in the 15 to 16% body fat range. But if I want to get more shredded than that, it seems that I have to go through that due diligence and that extra work that it takes to, uh, to track it and, and put in that effort to, to make the lean math, the, the leanness show up. Sure. Well, that makes sense. That that's, I think you get to a, a place. And, and in fact, this is an interesting thing that I saw that I'll throw out there real quickly. Uh, recently, there was a post about an Aborigines tribe in South America that was uh, visited by a uh, by a group in, uh, from the government trying to you know just check up on them that type of thing. And they had basically been left to their own devices for all this time. So they're eating off the land. They're cooking all their own foods. And when you look at the the video of them, none of them are cut like Alberto. None of them have six packs. They all have visible visceral fat. And so my theory is this. Your body wants to have some type of fat stored to it so that it can, in lean times, in the fasting periods, in between catching the bear, be able to live, have fuel. And so I think it's, I don't want to say unnatural, but I think that it, it does require pushing beyond certain limits to be able to get to a certain body fat percentage. Uh, and everybody's thermostat for that is going to be a, a little bit different. Some of that's going to be genetics. Some of it's going to be the environment around them. Uh, but it, it doesn't really matter in the long run. It's what works for them and then and, and whatnot. Now, I would love to get down to 15% or lower, at least to be there just to see it, but I'm not probably going to be the guy that works hard, works my, my butt off physically, literally uh, enough to be able to stay there. Uh, yet. I'm probably going to get down there and kind of, yeah, you know, I don't, I won't count myself short yet, but you know, I, I may just get there and go, okay, I've got to stay here. I got to do whatever I need to, but I am the type that whenever I'm in those phases where I like really, okay, I need to, to really zero in and, and whatnot. I, I at least go through periods of tracking just to kind of readjust to say, okay, how much am I really eating? How much fat am I really taking in? How much protein am I really taking in? Just to, to measure, just to, to check. Um, unfortunately, I don't cook the food most of the time, so I have to guess on some of those metrics as well because I can't ra- right. measure the raw food like you did, David. Yeah. Well, that meant that made um, so, completely different than my family, right? I mean, if my family decided, "Hey, yes. we want to go to pizza," um, then you know, in in my mm-hmm. my non tracking ketogenic mode would be like, "Okay, let's go to pizza. I'll just scrape all the toppings off the crust and uh, and mm-hmm. eat eat all the toppings." Or if if the place has a, a cauliflower yeah. crust pizza, I might go ahead and exceed carbs for the day uh, by choice and actually pick up and eat mm-hmm. you know a few slices of pizza or maybe even a, a whole small. <laughs> Been known to happen for sure. Sure. Um, and in doing so, yeah. I, I still maintain that you know fifteen to seventeen percent body fat. It's uh, but to get lower than that, going uh-huh. to going to pizza with my family and watching them eat. And either I ate before or I was eating after where I could go prepare my, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, grilled chicken breast and my sauteed spinach and mushrooms. And and with exactly, you know, three mil, you know, milliliters of of olive oil. Um, (laughs) And it it wasn't I'm trying to find that balance. Am I going to be able to get the body that I enjoy Mm -hmm. and get myself to a place that I'm happy while still living a life that I enjoy living? That balance is really, really important, and we all have to find it. Uh, and it looks different for every single one of us. So if it looks like one way for David and looks like another way for Alberto and it looks different for me, that's okay. We're not robots. We're not all cookie cutters. We're all bi- biologically different. Our DNA is different, and so our needs are different. Okay, so let's go ahead and close this down. Uh, David, online, where can people find you? Oh, that's a great question, Chris. Um, I'm not much of a social media type person, so uh, you can find me hanging out in the Keto Man's Club. That's a perfectly okay. acceptable answer because that's usually Absolutely. my answer too. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an Instagram. Like we, we talked about it. I mean, we alluded to it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a... I'm on that other end of the spectrum, right? I'm I'm on the other side of fifty. Um, <laughs> but age is just a number, man. Uh, I'm I'm in by mm-hmm. far better shape. I I know that you're wanting to wrap this up, but I've I've got to I've got to say this this one thing. 
Last Halloween, I went to right a friend of mine. He and I used to lift weights together when I was like 18 to 25 years old. Um, I went up to his house on Halloween. We haven't seen each other in quite a few years. I start chatting with his wife and, and he's got his house all done up, you know, the graveyard and the front yard and all that. And he's out walking around in costume and she's talking to me and she, you can see she's getting a little cagey about who this person is because I haven't said who I was yet. And so she calls him up. She's like, hey, you need to get up here. I'm feeling a little creeped out by this guy. And he comes up and we start chatting. And I'm like, you don't recognize me. Well, his house was in a, in a contest, I guess, that year. So he thought I was from the city council to judge his house. And, and after oh. about five to 10 minutes of talking, he looks at me and he goes, David, holy sh**. Like, <laughs> I didn't even recognize you. And, and, he, and we sat down and we chatted. And he's like, dude, you have finally achieved what you were trying to do when you were in your 18s and 20s. Look at you. And, um, and I have between, you know, ketogenic dieting, getting my body lean and hitting that gym consistently every day. I've finally reached what I was trying to do when I was 18 to 20 years old. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, this guy couldn't even recognize me and we grew up across the street from each other. We were, we were, you know, essentially he was the best man at my wedding. Um, didn't recognize me when I walked up to his doorstep. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. So I am the ultra social guy, so you can find me on Instagram talking about my keto stuff at, at Duckman Keto, and uh, my personal is Duckman1221. Uh, we do have a, as, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, a, a uh, Instagram account for this podcast, so it's uh, Keto Man's Club Podcast, uh, at Keto Man's Club Podcast on Instagram. Uh, if you go to Keto Man's Club Podcast. The Keto Man's Club podcast.com, you will currently get our website, or our, the, that's our web address. That takes you straight to our group. Um, and if you aren't a member and wish to be a member, please feel free to put in an application, fill out the questions, and we will review that and, and add you because we want to grow this circle. We wanted to, to grow this group uh, just because there's such a great group that we're building uh, that we, we feel like we need to share that. Um, uh, as mentioned earlier as well, the call to action. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you want to hear more of it, make sure that you subscribe. And if you liked something, if you dislike something, if heck, give us negative reviews. Alberto promises to read I those on the air. Read hate um, <laughs> so uh, give, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, we definitely want to hear what you have to say uh, about about our podcast in whatever form that takes. So uh, rate and comment and uh, get the word out. Share this with your friends and family if you if you like it, because we we, we believe this is a message that is uh this is something that should be shared. Uh, lastly, without any uh, anything else uh, to say, uh, if you have a question, if you uh, have a story that you want to tell, uh, feel free to reach us at uh, reach out to us uh, via email. Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com is where you can do that, and we'd love to hear from you um, on all of that. David, it has been wonderful getting to have you on. Uh, we're sorry that Jim what, didn't get to be here with us and uh, share uh, in this uh, conversation because I know he would have enjoyed it as well. Um, but he's off having barbecue at uh, you know or something. So he, he's having a good time anyway. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. That's T-H-E-K-E-T-O. M-A-N-S-C-L-U-B dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week. <laughs>